0: Let me go right into it. In 1993, I went on a road trip with two of my closest friends. Some of you might have heard this story. We drove a 1983 Bonneville station wagon. And as we were going, the road trip was not exactly how we expected. The first thing we encountered when we hit Phoenix from New Jersey, Texas, Phoenix, LA, Seattle, back home, was that the car was terrible with overheating. And so we would have to literally pull over because a thermometer would be so high and we would put water in and it just didn't have a good coolant system. But a few days down the road, we were coming out of a restaurant or a gas station and I saw a little string on the bottom of the car. So I went to just grab it. My fingers went right through the string. It wasn't a string. It was a gas tank leak just streaming out steadily. I went to a mechanic and I said, what would happen if, you know, with this? He said, oh, nothing. If you hit a little metal, it'll spark and you'll be on fire. Okay. So uh, somehow we prayed and God got us to fix it without spending too much money. There was a patch. And 30 days later, we made it back home after a whole month driving across the country. Some things in life do not go as planned like this road trip. When you receive a call of God, and every single one of us in Christ will receive a call of God, it almost always does not go expected as you imagined it. Almost always. Um, And so let me show you this graph. So this is God's call. We start, maybe that's the day we got saved, that's the day we came to know the Lord, or you don't even know God, but you know God has a purpose for you, and there's God's call. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That's what we expect. And you all know what, what to look how it looks. That's how it looks. Your life is a constant journey to get to God's call, fulfill God's call, to be faithful to it. And you're like, where am I going? What is this happening to me? And so this is everyone. Who is responding to god's call it this is our lives and so for example we've already experienced this through challenges surprises and even death that god's people go through all of these challenges as they enter and say yes to god and so we know even in the most simplest sense if god calls a man and a woman to be married together is the marriage happily ever after no We know that young man or woman gets called to mission. Is it smooth sailing? I am responding to God's call to go to Thailand. Is it smooth sailing? No. We know that if God calls families to raise up children in the Lord, disciple them, love them, make them know and love Jesus Christ and know his love for them, smooth sailing? No. And so God's calling is never easy. And so when we look at God's salvation story and the call for Moses and Israel to leave Egypt, I really think they were thinking, we're done. We're free. Life is good. 400 years. Someone say 400. 400 400 years they're living in bondage to Egypt. Again, America is only 241 years old. 400 years. And they finally are free. God sent Moses to Pharaoh 10 plagues. After the last plague, Pharaoh goes, get going, go, leave, leave us alone. And Israel is on their journey. Guess how many days before they hit their first snag? It's only three days later they hit the snag. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They're stuck between a sea and Pharaoh's chariots. And he's coming with 600 of his chosen chariots and a whole army. I'm not surprised at Israel's reaction. Verse 11, 12. They, Israel, said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Sarcasm. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Blaming. It's not this what we said to you in Egypt. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Did they really say that? Not that I know of. lying. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Panic and foolish judgment. Sometimes the trials do come outside of you. And as we see Israelites, the trial comes because it's coming out of us, our panic and anxiety. Sarcasm, blaming, lying, foolish judgment. It all comes out of this panic of the line was supposed to be straight. Why is God doing this? I thought we were supposed to get here. And some of you are in that little curve where it's going backwards, and you're going, why am I going backwards? And so a famous therapist named Edwin Friedman, he's actually a rabbi, but he's brilliant with systems and, and, and these, these kind of challenges. He says this. It may be said unequivocally that whenever anyone is in extremis, like stress, high tension, pressure whether it is a marital crisis, an economic crisis, a political crisis, or a health crisis, their chances of survival are far greater when their horizons are formed of projected images from their own imagination, rather than being limited by what they can actually see. In other words, when you're stuck in a place where it's really scary and your pressure and fear is high, it's Way better to imagine the horizons of what's ahead rather than seeing the issue in front of you. But you know this. You're drowning. What's the first thing you don't do? Panic. I'm drowning. I'm drowning. Relax. And you could even float. Whenever there's an accident, what do you do? Just stay calm. There's a fire. You stay calm. Look to the exits and steadily walk out. He's saying in life, this is true. In God's calling, we don't look at the mountain. We look at what God has called us beyond the mountain. And so Israel could only see the obstacle, and they completely forgot God because all they see is this obstacle. And when panic overcomes us, the chances of overcoming that is slim to none. And so we need composure, trust, steadfastness in the Lord in those times. So right now, just time out there. If you feel like you're in those moments, you're in the right place. You're at church. This is the time to say, God, I'm going to breathe for a moment. And know that as chaotic as my life is, you are God. You are in control. I surrender to you. And you will help me day by day. And so, so this is where Israel is. To follow God's call requires this trust in God. So our work with Jesus Christ was never promised to be smooth. Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple, he said, Well let's carry the cross. Or unless that you do that, you cannot be my disciple. So that's our journey. How's your life going so far? And I think we're in the same we're in the right place because a lot of us were like, That's my story. Well, let's go to God in this story. The movie Ten Commandments, uh, Charlton Heston, with Charlton Heston, it misses a lot of essentials. But you can't put all the Bible in three-hour movie. And I watched. How many of you saw the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston? So, how did Israel become trapped by the Red Sea? The movie doesn't show you that, right? They're going. There's a Red Sea. <gasps> the Pharaoh's coming. <gasps> so we're like, how did we get here? They didn't have GPS. Sometimes GPS is really terrible. They're like, Siri, why are you taking me down this road? <laughs> and so we have this surprise. Why are we here? Well, Exodus 14. How did Israel get to this trapped space? Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Hahiroth." between Mikdol and the sea. In front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. Who put Israel in that spot? God did. He wasn't surprised. God placed them there. And it's very hard to understand God's purposes. God, how is that beneficial to us? And sometimes the Bible tells us he... He tells us he's going through a different route so that people don't get into wars and then they go back. He knew their hearts, so he says, we're going to go on a long journey. Sometimes he doesn't tell, why are you in this situation? I still am amazed. God, how did we end up in California? How did my family, of all places, end up in California? Disneyland, not bad. Thank you, God. All right. We don't know how God's purpose is, but one thing assuring is, he guided their step to this point. And so, I love this verse. In the 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the verse on love, love is patient, love is kind. There's a verse in that chapter. It has this verse. Ready? For now, we see in a mirror dimly. They don't have a good mirror back then. They use copper and they polished it and you see a, like a weird version of yourself. But then, we will see face to face. Now, I know in part But then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. In other words, we can't see clearly now, but there will be a time when we are with God that everything in your life that didn't make sense will become clear. It's just not now. So who do you trust? You go back to God. So here's what we look at. We look at Moses in verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be silent. I like this because Moses says, here's God's part. He's going to save you. He's going to deliver you. Here's your part. This is one of my favorite parts. You only have to be silent. Do you know what the word silent in Hebrew is? In Hebrew, it's karash. It literally means, get your mouth closed. It means what you're thinking, and we're going to say it in church today. It means, trust God, you only need to shut up. That literally is, it's not just be still. It means, close it. What is Moses saying? In your panic, stop blaming, stop lying, start being sarcastic. Just close it and listen, as Rick was sharing before, to what God will do. And we need wisdom to know when to stand up and charge and when to listen and be silent. Dwight Moody said this, real true faith is man's weakness, leaning on God's strength. Can we say, can we say amen to this? It is good to be weak when we lean on God's strength. Amen? Whew. Weakness is great. It makes me realize I am not the Savior here. So, I have a fun question. Did Moses had more faith than Israelites? How many of you think Moses had more faith, better, stronger faith than Israel? How many think Moses had same faith as Israel? How many don't know, and you're just, just let's get going, Jason. <laughs> I don't think Moses had more faith than Israel. You know why? Because when you go back earlier, I think Moses was calm and cool. Because he knew God's plan. (laughs) Who was God talking to? Moses. Moses knew what was going on. Moses didn't go, I know, I have faith in God. He, He just knew God's plan better. And so, knowing God's heart builds faith and trust. What does that tell us? Intentional time alone with God that you and I have, we get to know God's heart. When we know God's heart, we get to know God's purposes a little bit clearer. So, what must we be? We need to be people who spend time with God and His Word, spend time listening for God, and intentionally slowing down for God. So, God's response is the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Stop talking, stop praying, literally, get moving. And sometimes when you feel stuck, the best thing to do is just keep going, keep your mouth closed. Don't just sit there. God's like, what are you doing just praying? In Bible study, we talked about this. If this place is on fire, we don't go, let's pray together to see what we need to do. God, help us in this fire. I think God's going to be like, what are you doing praying? (laughs) Stop praying, get through the door, exit. And that's what he's telling them. You know, in the past 10 years, I think I literally prayed most in my life, my whole life. And I'm only 20 years old. That was a lie. That was a lie. Uh, But I did pray most of my 10 years. Why? I had a struggling marriage 10 years ago. I have three children I have no clue how to raise well. And now I'm a pastor of a church. How are you going to get through that? Prayer. The only thing I could do is prayer. And in those years, when you feel this tension and when you feel this anxiety, I have a confession to make. I wrote letters of resignation three times in this past 10 years 2010 2014 and 2017 i remember them it's not easy and if i was like israel and i said i'm out of here we got to, we're panicking i would have gone back to egypt but god has not taken us back he's taken us forward to his purpose amen that's the glory that's that's the beautiful part of it So what I did do, I remember God telling me, here, the purpose and the call of God is still good. How do I think differently? And my God, my job was to keep moving forward. And here's what I fixated on. Here's a secret for the past 10 years. You ready? This is the calling of God. Number one, keep glorifying God. It's not about you. Two, keep proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ for the salvation of all of us and the redemption. Third, keep making much of Jesus, not of you or the people. Four, keep focused on God's mission rather than pleasing members. That was hard. Fifth, keep learning and humble yourself and serve even when no one else is doing it. That's moving forward. It was shush, Jason. Sometimes stop praying and just move forward. Sometimes you have to stop and just keep listening to God. And the key is we must be in God's will and God's call. In other words, if I'm robbing banks and I'm about to get arrested and I say, God, please remove this barrier, the cops, don't let them arrest me, he he may let you get arrested because he loves you. But if you're in God's calling and church is hard, sometimes God will show his timing and he will be with you in his perfect way. So, we must be fully surrendered to God. I have a cartoon here. Let's go back, and we're almost done. And so, there's a cartoon here of Moses, and this cartoon of Moses, if you look at it, it says, it's Moses' mom saying, stop that, Moses, and take your bath, and a naked baby is going like this. Now, the cartoon's funny, but here's a kicker. Moses didn't have any power. It's a funny joke, but it's theologically completely wrong. Who was behind the power to split the sea? It was God. God merely used Moses to lead Israel. It was God who saves. Now, this is key. Who is our Moses? Is it your mom and dad who brought you to church and left great memories? Maybe. Is it the pastors who built this church and who are, who's leading it, working so hard? Are they the Moseses that we need? No. You know, in verse 16, there's something, and I'm stretching here, but it says, lift up your staff. God is talking to Moses. Moses, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And it's so beautiful. Just picture this. There's a sea here, and God's telling him, raise your staff, the water will part, and walk through dry ground. What does this look like to you? And I'm thinking, who else do we know? Who else do we know that delivered people from slavery and death by stretching out his hands? Who else do we know that saw God's, that knew God's plan of deliverance and he walked to the cross to the very end and said, let it come, my job is not yet finished. Who else do we know that became an intercessor, who spoke to us God's word, was God? Jesus is our true and perfect Moses. The reason we rejoice is not because of a pastor, it's not because of parents, it's not because of faithful saints, although they're great. Our hero is the one who keeps saving us, delivered us, and is delivering today, it's Jesus Christ. Moses was showing us a picture. One day you will be free, despite your foolishness, despite your, your, your rebelliousness, and I will make a way. Paul agrees, Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 10, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Jesus Christ. Israel was baptized into Moses. You and I had the opportunity to be baptized into Jesus Christ. We have a better Moses. The movie Ten Commandments doesn't do justice to what Jesus Christ is doing all over the world today and in your life. Hallelujah. We are the church standing because God's work is not finished and he is leading us through Christ by Christ. Isaiah 40 Have you not known? Have you not heard? Our Lord is the everlasting God. He will not grow tired or weary. Jesus is still leading us. The reason we keep moving forward is Jesus will never abandon us, and his mission will be fulfilled. We only need to be silent and say, yes, Lord, take it all. Church, there's no turning back because our next stop is ahead of us. And we have a great GPS. His name is Jesus Christ. Who raised up his hands, delivered us. And three days later, he rose again. May we continue to follow Christ. And do his will in La Mirada, Whittier, California and beyond. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, in your wisdom, we stand in awe of your patience. Sometimes pastors and elders, we get in trouble. We, we think we know better than you. We think we have it figured out and we want to work it out just the way we want it. And we realize those are the moments we humble ourselves and recognize your plan is so much more beautiful than that. And every obstacle that came is nothing compared to the obstacle of the bondage of sin and death that we were enslaved in. And you free us, you free the world as we look to Christ. So Lord, instill in our hearts and in this church, in your church all over the world, that we are, continue to look towards our true and perfect Moses, Jesus Christ. And as we celebrate the communion that he gives us, may we be nourished and faithful to you. We pray in his name. Amen.